Today we celebrate All Saints Day. Uh, November 1st every year, it's All Saints Day. This year it happens to fall on a Sunday, so it's, been, it's very fitting that we come together as a parish community and we get to celebrate such a beautiful feast. I think there's two reasons why we as a church celebrate this feast. There's two reasons that kind of have, in my heart, have kind of come to the surface this week. The first reason is, we know this, that we have feast days throughout the course of the year, right? Um, October 22nd, we have John Paul II's feast day. October 4th was St. Francis of Assisi's feast day, right? We have different feast days throughout the course of the year. And those, on those days, we celebrate and we recognize saints that are in heaven, that are named, that had lives that we know have gone through the, the, the process, right, of being canonized saints. On All Saints Day, the thing is, is that there's not just these couple of hundred people that are in heaven. A saint is very simply defined as anybody who is in heaven. So when we celebrate All Saints Day, it's kind of a catch-all for everybody else. It kind of makes sure that we give a day for all of those who are in heaven that we can remember them and appeal to them to pray for us. So that's the first reason. It's kind of a catch-all that we get to celebrate all of the saints that are in heaven. I think the second reason is probably a little bit more important and something that I want to break open for us today. And that is, is that the second reason why we celebrate All Saints Day, and probably just as important, is to remind us that our destiny is to be a saint in heaven as well. Our destiny, what we are called to do by being created by God, put on this earth, we are called to live a life that will make us a saint in heaven as well one day. I know I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't know about you, but I want a day. I want a day. I want to be remembered. I want to be in heaven to the point that I have a day on the calendar. St. John David Mathern of Raceland. Y'all laughing. But it's true. I, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm li- I want to live my life in a way that I have a day. I want to live my life in a way that there is no doubt that I am in heaven. I think that's every one of our goals. Might seem kind of ridiculous. Like we, I'm not going to go so far as like to prepare my what my ordination. Well, I mean, what my uh, canonization picture is going to look like. You know, probably have an LSU hat in the background or something. Like it's not going to be that far. But I, I, I want a day. I want to be celebrated as a saint because I want to be a saint. I want to be in heaven with the Lord. There was a there's a French theologian, uh, Leon Blois. I, I hope I said that right. I don't know if I did. I'm not French. It's okay. So, like, I, I, but he once had this phrase that he said, and I think it's a very, very fitting thing for us today as we break open this theme of what it means to be a saint. He said, There is no greater tragedy. There is no greater sadness. There is no greater failure in life than for one to not become a saint. There is no greater sadness, no greater failure, and no greater tragedy in life for one to not become a saint. That might seem like a high bar. 
That might, like, that might seem like, man, that, that's kind of dissettled. That, that kind of like, it, it made me unsettled a little bit when I heard that, when I read that. But if there has ever been, I don't know if there's ever been a truer statement spoken by a theologian. Because God has created you and I for Himself. And if we can't live in eternity with Him face to face, that's a failure, a tragedy, and extremely sad. The goal of all of our lives, y'all, is one day to be a saint. To be face to face with God. Today in our, in our, in our Scriptures, when we read, when we, when we sang the, the responsorial psalm, what is it saying? Lord, here's your people that long to see your face. It's, even, it's in our Scripture, y'all, that we want to see God face to face. We want to be with God for all eternity, face to face, eye to eye. It's etched in our soul. And there's no greater tragedy, sadness, or failure than to not have that fulfilled. Now if that's the case, how are we called to live? Like if, if that's the failure side, then okay, Lord, like, like alright, Father, how is it that I'm supposed to live if, if that's, that's the problem, if that's the, if, if that's the, the other side, if that's, that's the consolation prize, is to be separated well, today, I think, I think when we read our responsorial psalm, a lot of times what happens with the responsorial psalm is that we hear the first reading and we hopefully recognize what book it's from because if it's from the Old Testament, we kind of get confused and we ignore that one. And then we sing during the responsorial psalm and it's a good interlude and it's like, all right, that's nice. And then you go to your second reading and you hope that St. Paul or one of the apostles says something to you and then we stand up for the Gospel, right? Well, today, whenever we, when we sing, sometimes we miss what we're singing, what we're actually saying in the responsorial psalm. But I want to break open one of the verses in particular. The second verse that we said in the responsorial psalm, it was, it was who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? When we think about a mountain of the Lord, like a pause button for a second, whenever you think about the mountain of the Lord in the Old Testament, the image of a mountain, the image of being up on top of a mountain was like this poetic imagery of heaven. So you hear the mountain of the Lord. Sometimes you might hear mountain of God. Sometimes you might hear Mount Zion. All of those things are images pointing to heaven. They're pointing to the heavenly Jerusalem. That this was the mountain of the Lord. So when it says, who shall enter that mountain of the Lord? Who is it that's going to make their way to heaven? That's what the psalmist is saying to us today. Who is it that's going to make their way to heaven? There's a couple of criteria that, that the question is answered by. A man with clean hands, with a sinless heart, and who desires not what is vain. But in the, That's the reading that we read. But a better translation of that word vain would be who desires not worthless or useless things. So a man with clean hands, someone who does the right thing. Pure heart, who does the right thing for the right reason. And is not distracted by useless things. Well, clean hands, if we look at the, if we look at the saints that are named, 
We look at some of our popular saints. For example, St. Maximilian Kolbe is in Auschwitz and steps up and takes the place of another prisoner that he would die on behalf of somebody else. He did the right thing. St. Teresa of Calcutta goes to the corner, this forgotten corner of the world where nobody cares about the people that are dying and, and that, are, that are handicapped and that are on the streets and that are starving and that are homeless and all these things. And she goes out and she lives her life in a way that, that, that she's doing the right thing. Father Michael McGivney, who was just beatified yesterday, he was the founder of the Knights of Columbus, but he became, he, he was doing the right thing. His example was more than just building the Knights. His example was he took care of Irish immigrants who were dealing with major persecution and discrimination whenever they came over to the New World. But he found his way to those ports, to those places in the Northeast, and welcomed them. And he was like Jesus for these people coming into this country. Blessed Francis Xavier Silos taking care of people in the yellow fever epidemic and contracting the disease himself. We can go down on the list over and over and over with saint after saint after saint who did the right thing. And I think that's inspiring for us. We can appeal to them today. We can appeal to any of the saints. But it's inspiring to us to do the right thing. I think we get that. They also did the right thing for the right reason. Maximilian Kolbe didn't step up so that he could be famous and get talked about in Raceland to, you know, 60 years later. Maximilian Kolbe did it because it was the right thing and, and God compelled him to do it. So Mother Teresa didn't do what she did in Calcutta for the Nobel Peace Prize. She didn't care about it. John Paul II wasn't the priest that he was and the pope that he was and the bishop that he was because he wanted to be famous. They did the right thing for the right reason. You see... This is the thing, y'all. Like when we come to be, when, when it comes to being a saint, the Lord is calling us to do the right thing for the right reason. Well, for us, most of us, our life of, our, our life of living out a life of holiness is going to play itself out in a particular vocation. Now, this week is also Vocations Awareness Week. And Vocations Awareness Week, one of the most, most, misunderstood words in, the, in the, the church's language is the word vocation. Because so often it means, what vocation do you have? Married life or priesthood or religious life. It's usually the first two places we go. It's either religious life, or you wear a collar or a, or a robe of some sort, right? Or you're married. That's, that's most of the time where we go when we think of the word vocations. But the Second Vatican Council, before talking about any of those states in life, or any about marriage, or priesthood, or religious life, or anything like that, talks firstly about all of us having a universal call to holiness. That all of us are meant to live our life in a way that we're living focused on the Lord. Focused on God before all else. Focus firstly on what it is that God has for me and I have for God, that my relationship with God, whenever I would die and go to heaven, it would be a reunion, not an introduction. You see, for us, we're called to live that out now through some possible paths. If you want to understand priesthood, if you want to understand religious life, if you want to understand marriage better, you can think of it this way. I as a priest am ordained. My, my ordinary path to salvation, to being with the Lord, my ordinary path 
to salvation, to going beyond that tragedy, failure, and, and sadness, right? Like my ordinary path back to God is to be your priest. To listen to God and the bishop and take care of the places that I have been assigned to. And to be your priest. To do my best in everything that I am and everything in every way that I act and every word that I say to bring you closer to heaven. And you bring me closer to heaven as well. Well, Father, that, that, that seems kind of interesting. That, that's, that's a lot on your shoulders. I understand. If that's priesthood, married life is the same thing. If you're, if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, that's your ordinary means to heaven. Your wife, men, is your ordinary means to heaven. Your kids are your ordinary means to heaven. Women, your husband is your ordinary means to heaven. The way in which you live your life as a family, the vocation in which you live, is the pathway that you have to overcoming that failure, that sadness, and that tragedy of being away from the Lord. Your ordinary means to sainthood is sitting right next to you in the pew. Now, we have to do the right thing. We have to do the right thing for the right reason. But the third condition that we hear in our psalm today is a very, very important one. Who desires not useless or worthless things. It is very easy in our world today to get distracted with useless and worthless things from the most important thing. If the most important thing is to avoid that tragedy, that sadness, and that loss, or that tragedy, sadness, and that, 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 that loss of not being with God for all eternity, if the most important thing is to be a saint, everything else is useless and worthless and in vain. Everything else is passing. The fact that, the fact that my favorite football team lost yesterday 48-11 to 11 is passing. Because guess what? This morning I woke up and the goal didn't change. The ultimate goal. The focus of my life should not have changed because, we, because our defense is terrible. The same way, I've been joking around with people, but I don't know if you know this, uh, Tuesday is going to be the apocalypse. Because the election is happening, and Wednesday the world's going to end apparently. But what happens if my guy doesn't win? What happens if the guy I voted for doesn't win? Does the goal change? Because if Joe Biden's elected president, that doesn't change the goal. If Donald Trump is re-elected and you don't like him, that, that, that doesn't change the goal. The focus of our life, the greatest good of our life, is not meant for passing useless, worthless, things that are in vain. Now, the goal of our life is first and foremost to be before our Lord for all eternity. In fact, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that when we come to Mass, we get a foretaste of that life. When we come to Mass, as we, as we said in the response, that we want to see God face to face, we get a chance to see Him here on this altar face to face. Churches for centuries, as they have been built, they build the altar a little bit higher 
There's always, a, there's, most of the time there's a platform and the altar is built up. And a lot of times we think it's so the people in the back can see, the good Catholics can see, right? How you doing back there? But what it really is, is that it's an image of today's psalm. That who shall come up the mountain of the Lord? We get an opportunity to get a glimpse into heaven. Into the heavenly reality when we come and receive our Lord and He comes down to us and meets us face to face. We get a foretaste of what it means to be a saint for all eternity before our Lord. And it happens in 30 minutes. We come to be able to receive our Lord, to see Him face to face, to refocus our life and our being and everything that we are. And the graces that we receive spill out. And we do the right thing for the right reason. And hopefully don't focus on useless things or get distracted by worthless things. Today, when we come to receive our Lord, we come to be in His presence, we get a foretaste of heaven. We get, to, we get to experience for a moment on earth what it's like to be a saint. What it's, like, what it's going to be like for us for all eternity if we live our life as much as we can with the end in mind. With the goal in mind. The greatest tragedy, the greatest sadness, the greatest hurt, the greatest poverty, the greatest... The greatest bad thing, the worst thing possible for a life is that they would not become a saint. May we today by this Eucharist, may we to, by the way we live our life, live our life in a way that all we focus on is being a saint first.